Japan by River Cruise is made possible thanks to the kind generosity of our sponsors. This is a message from Wacky Japan Incorporated. Are you a news organization or website who wants to publish a clickbait article about how weird Japan is? Don't do any in-depth research that might force you to confront your own prejudices. Just hire us to create an outlandish precedent for you to base your entire think piece on. For a reasonable fee, our professional staff will lick eyeballs, eat wasps, set up a dirty underwear vending machine, not have sex, purchase sex robots, not have sex with those robots, or any other weird shit that you think Japanese people probably do. Check for more details at wackyjapan.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Ollie Horn. So on today's show, a push to move to online banking runs into trouble when users can't figure out which part of their computer screen to stamp with their ink on. Also, Ollie's got your River Cruise recommendation, yeah Ollie? Yes, this week's recommendation is a cruise set up by Osaka's prefectural government to combat homelessness and poverty in the region. A two-hour private cruise on a chartered boat, specially renamed a helping hand will set sail every week for the next six weeks and will allow ample thinking space and stimulating scenery for the 15 specially selected government employees to meet and workshop new ideas on how the poorest in the region can be helped. Plus, the Japanese river cruise industry does its part to help prevent the spread of the coronavirus by offering unused boats as mobile quarantine centers. And don't worry, Infected passengers will be kept in strict isolation until the virus has completely been eliminated from their system or until they feel like leaving. But first, Soap Talk. Bobby Judo, how's your week been? Uh, good. Good week so far. Uh, I, I managed to get out and go for a hike with uh, with a Brian from Fukuoka, one of the original Brian's from Fukuoka. He's a very cool guy. Never heard of him. Yeah, no. Uh, I got hired to uh, to MC an event uh, for the an art party. They had one of those live paint events at um at an electronic cigarette store, which is which is interesting because okay. uh, this is like douche squared to the power. Of douche. Hey, I'm paid to not think that. But um, the artists were pretty cool. They did a, a live paint event where they had four different artists who uh, who did like within an hour. They painted something that was supposed to be uh, inspired by the theme of the electric ci- electronic cigarette store and their new uh, Shin Hatsubai Shohin, their new product that they were launching for sale. Uh, and the theme. So tell me, what is what what is the theme of a of an electric cigarette shop? How can vape be any other theme than I'm addicted to cigarettes and I I don't mind I don't mind looking like I've got a USB memory stick in my. Well, mouth. the keywords were intense, which was uh which was the name of the new product that they're selling because it's been redesigned to have a more intense flavor to match regular cigarettes. Uh, orange was another theme because that's uh the color of the brand and then uh triple or three the number three because they were uh, promoting the new triple filter pro technology i'm getting really specific with this i probably shouldn't be but 
<laughs> no, it's great. The listeners need to know. Yeah. So uh, what kind of people were at this event? I, I mean, a, a lot of the artists' fans showed up. And it kind of, there were these moments where I was like, okay, art is actually still pretty cool because two of the artists, uh, they did their live paintings. And one of them, um, he was working off of a picture of, it was like some Miley Cyrus looking celebrity in black and white with a cigarette hanging out of her mouth. Like this very kind of like sexy posed cigarettes are cool kind of thing. He had a cigarette hanging out of her mouth. Uh, and in his, his interpretation of that photograph that he was working off of and recreating in paint, he made the choice to leave the cigarette out completely. And then in like the talk segment, he was like, yeah, yeah, I was working off a, a, a picture of somebody smoking a cigarette. And uh, yeah, I quit smoking electronic cigarettes a couple months back and I'm never going to smoke them again. And so I left it off. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool, 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 cool. And then another one of the artists, her painting was uh, a woman smoking an electronic cigarette designed to look exactly like the product that was on sale. and you could see the smoke coming out of the electronic cigarette and floating up past her face. And the part where the smoke overlapped with her face was a skull. Um, right. So she's half face, half skull where the cigarette smoke is turning her face into a skull. And she's got this little word bubble coming out. And in English, she's saying, I want to be a natural person. Um, and so I'm like watching these two people paint these pictures and I'm like, okay, this is like, they've been hired and probably paid something to participate in this event they both have like uh exhibitions scheduled at this venue and this is like a huge like a big fuck you in terms of the message of their work oh, this, to cigarettes this is this is a vape shop come art gallery it's a lounge space so it's this place in tension it set up shop where that line store used to be the line cafe and Nishidori. Okay, yeah. Across from H&M next to the yeah. ice cream shop. Uh, and it's a free lounge. So anybody, even if you don't have electronic cigarettes or want to buy electronic cigarettes, you can stop in there. It's a <laughs> fancy lounge. And you can use their free Wi-Fi and use their free outlets and get free drinks. They give out free and coffee. It's, uh, and it's passive smoke hoarder. Yes, you can You can have all the secondhand smoke you want. Um, but so, so – I was in charge of like running the talk show. And as soon as that guy was like, yeah, and I chose to leave out the, the electronic cigarette. I was like, okay, no follow-up questions for you. Um, and then I <laughs> asked the girl who painted the skull, the half skull girl. And the funny thing is like, I am 100% sure now that I've heard her explain it, that hers was, was she was not aware of what it seemed the message she was conveying was with the piece. It was completely right. unironic. <laughs> Did you know that skulls and ghosts are symbolism for death in some cultures? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> looks, it looks uh, like you well, painted a, I mean, a very American early '90s anti-tobacco ad, but right, right, right. Well, at least none of these customers are going to be in a vape shop smoking their vape and suddenly looking at this art, going, "Wait, wait, wait, what? Did you say this is bad for me? I I needed a I needed a three by three foot canvas and a mural to be told that this is no one. Well, the other funny no part one. was they hired somebody to cater it, and uh, they hired like this restaurant to come in and cater again, kind of like to the theme of their their branding, their brand's colors and food design to represent it. And so the caterers are not really familiar with what this place is, other than what they were told in terms of you know what the colors are. 
And then a lot of the people who were attending were the artists' fans who were there, not because they necessarily care about you know, electronic cigarettes. And so one of them got handed the electronic cigarette that you get to like try out while you're there and didn't know whether or not they were allowed to smoke it. So they asked the caterers who also didn't know whether or not they were allowed to smoke it. So the caterer comes to me and she goes, hey, is there somewhere here where they're allowed to smoke? And I was like, do you, wait, wait, do you mean like other than the electronic cigarettes that are being given out here? Like a right, like, do you mean like a regular cigarette? And she was like, regular smoking. Like, no, I just mean in general. I'm like, yeah, they could probably smoke anywhere here. Well, I in guess the smoking shop. <laughs> Well, that's that's the point, right? These electric cigarettes represent a legal loophole, right? If there was any message of electric cigarettes, it's that the rules against um, branding and marketing cigarettes yeah. are not extended to electronic cigarettes. Additionally, the rules about smoking inside are not uh, applied to e-cigarettes. So if that catering company really was on message and wanted to uh, cater in the spirit of legal loopholes, I imagine they were serving whale. In other news, uh, I have almost... I, I have been banned. I've been banned uh, from an app. From an app? There's an app in Southeast Asia called Grab, right, which is like the Uber equivalent of, uh, of, well, like the local, you know, it's like a local taxi company. But it's not just taxis. You order food from it. It's an e-wallet. That was great because what you wanted to say was it's like the equivalent of Uber, and instead you said the Uber equivalent, and then you were just struggling to figure out a way to finish the end of the sentence. <laughs> I just got stuck. It's like the <laughs> Uber equivalent of, you know, a service similar to an equivalent and equal to yeah. Uber? Also, it's an Uber equivalent in that SoftBank have given it loads of money. Yeah. Uh, it's a subsidized cheap ride. But basically, I was about to be the victim of a scam and there's a scam that happens where one of the one of the things which i think people get wrong about uber people say oh isn't uber a great business because it was the first time you could hail a ride on your phone right and people think that the value proposition of uber is that that, that you can just get a taxi at any time in my view the real value proposition of uber is the certainty of pricing that no longer do you get into a car and there's this kind of unknown bit of bartering or there's this stranger that might overcharge you that might take a route that you're that you're not sure of that might say it's double the price of what he said when you got in the car what uber did like the, the main uh, improvement in the user experience of heading a cab is you knew how much you were going to pay and in the event that you were yeah. overcharged or the event that the route that the driver took a different route then there would be some third party that can that can help arbitrate the dispute so for me, that's what uh, the value prop of, of Uber is. And so it's the same for Grab, that there's predictability. You know how much the ride's going to cost before you get in. But the exception is tolls. If you go through a toll road, then uh, the driver is allowed to add, add those numbers on at the end of the trip and then charge you how much they paid. Right. And they pay the toll roads themselves in cash or by card. And I was taking a, a trip home from the comedy club uh, back to where I'm staying. And I noticed, I've taken this trip dozens of times now, and I noticed the driver kept ignoring the GPS. So when the GPS was saying right, he was going left. Mm. And so basically he, he managed to take us through two toll roads. So by the time we got to that first toll road, I said, excuse me, may I ask what, why we're taking the tolls? And he got really defensive and really cross. He's like, ah, this is the way the GPS is telling me. I said, it's, I don't think it is. I've, I've, I've been watching the GPS from here and you've been ignoring it. And he went, oh, well, I'm allowed to take the route I want. I'm the driver here. I was like, yeah, fine. I'm just asking why we've taken the toll road. And so I I pretty soon suspected this was the scam he was trying to do, which is he takes an unsuspecting passenger through a toll road. And then when he when he types into grab, hey, I paid three dollars on tolls, 
he'll put $4 in. Right. And then I get charged the $4. And so it doesn't really amount to much for me as a passenger. And it's not the kind of amount of money that you'd notice necessarily. But if he does this for every unsuspecting passenger, then he he can, in some cases, double his fare, right? Because we went through two or three toll roads. Right. So no, I called him out on this and he just got cross, like properly cross. And, uh, and so I said, well, look, he said, if you're unhappy, just complain to Grab. I said, well, fine, I will. But like, what's your side of the story? Should I say that you were choosing not to follow the GPS? And in the end, in the end, he just said, fine, well, w- will you shut up if I just say I'm going to pay the tolls? I went, yeah. And that really annoyed him because he was kind of egging for an argument now. <laughs> he was, he was, it was just kind of crushed yeah, yeah. by the world. So I was like, I went, yeah, fine. He went, oh, right. Well, in that case, just shut up. I went, okay, fine. Shut up. I went, yeah, I'm not talking. You see, you're talking. And so he was doing everything he could to provoke. I said, well, I just went, I went, I went talk then. And then as we were driving, he then opened up the window as a, like a further profit, you know, pro- um, to, to further provoke me. So he winds the window down and it's just, we're driving at like 80, 90 kilometers an hour yeah. window uh, fully down. And so I said, excuse me, would you mind putting, just shut up. Fine, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm asking you to bring that window up, aren't I? Uh, and he goes, I, I, I've won the window down because of the terrible smell. I said, excuse me. He said, there's a terrible smell. I said, okay, well, I'm not sure you ought to do something about that. (laughs) And he said, he he said, I can smell alcohol. I said, right, well, you shouldn't be drinking. Because I hadn't been, I mean, the funny thing is I hadn't been drinking that night. Yeah, yeah. uh, Rarely had not been. I I went to a banana leaf and and had a a tea. And, uh, And so I just said, well, in that case, you shouldn't, if you're smelling alcohol, it's on you. And so I think you might be drunk. And so you shouldn't be driving. And he went, right, well, should I go to the police station? Is that what you want? Should I take you to the police station? Uh, I said, no, don't. And he was just doing everything he could to escalate. Yeah, but to be fair, so are you. I don't, well, do you know what? I don't think I was. <laughs> like, yeah. Obviously, I could have I could have just ignored the provocation of the window. But it was annoying. Um, and I suppose when he said, I'm, I smell something really bad, I shouldn't have said, did you fart? Uh, but other than little things like that, I think I was, I was pretty, I was pretty safe. And, uh, anyway, so I, I video, like I, I secretly videoed about half of this cause I thought, what if this escalates? Yeah. And, uh, then I rated him one star. I then get a call from grab going, uh, we got this one star report. Uh, you said that the driver might be drunk. I said, yeah, the driver told me he smelled alcohol and it wasn't me. So he shouldn't be on the road. And, uh, then I got a call the next day say, saying, um, apparently you have a video. Can you send us it? I said, actually, they said, can you send us it because we want to file a police report? And I said, actually, I just, like, I don't really want to get involved anymore, right? Like, How did they know I've, that you had a video? Well, that's the thing. I never told them. So I imagine uh, I imagine they guessed I did uh, or he told them that I'd videoed him, right? That's 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 the uh, the unknown, right? Because I never mentioned on the phone that I had a video. So either yeah. they guessed that and they went, can you send us your video? Uh, or he made, a, he made a complaint about me. Now, this is the important part. He must have made a complaint about me. Yeah. Uh, and presumably that involved this guy was filming me. And so what I found out was that I'd been uh, I'd been banned from the app. They banned me from the app for whatever he'd accused me of. But they did this sneaky thing called a shadow ban. So rather than actually banning me and telling me on the phone, hey, we're banning you from our app. Uh, instead, what happens is you try to book a ride on the app and it just says all available drivers are busy. Would you like to try again? Or you try and uh, order something and it says, oh, we're unable to take your request. And that's that's known as a shadow ban. Yeah. Now, their policy is they're not supposed to tell customers that they've been shadow banned. Um, but I suspected I'd been shadow banned. And so I just called up and said, hi there, I'm calling about my shadow ban. They went, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was like, right, got, gotcha. Um, and, and so I said, like, am I not going to be told, like, what the complaint against me was? And they went, well, we, apparently you had a video in your defence, but you were unprepared to send the video. I said, no, I said I didn't want to send the video because I didn't want to 
give this poor guy a police report. I said, let's just leave it here. This guy's obviously just had a bad night, tried to scam me, didn't. Enough's enough. Uh, and so now uh, I, I I literally cannot take a ride. And where I'm staying, there's no public transport. There's one bus yeah. an hour. Uh, and so I've, I've managed to basically uh, strand myself. Likewise here in Thailand, couldn't get a, you know, like this, this is countries is like, not just country specific, all across the region, cannot, couldn't get a taxi from the airport. Uh, so now I'm, I'm living a kind of like a, 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 an adventurer's lifestyle where I'm having to like flag down tuk-tuks and barter like the old days. This could be an opportunity for you to learn something about your conflict resolution skills. Shut up, Bobby! <laughs> do we have any messages? We do. We have, uh, this week we didn't get anything from Brian in Fukuoka, but we did get something from Brian from Fukuoka. Uh, <laughs> he says, Presumed dead. Ali. You recently pondered about the effect of decreased tourism in Fukuoka. I have some perspective because I work at a hotel in Nakasu cleaning capsule beds. I hadn't given it much thought until you pointed it out, but actually there have been far fewer beds that I would describe as, quote, rat fucked. Um, any thoughts on this, <laughs> on this message? What does that mean? What's rat fucked? I guess, I guess, um, there are less people rat fucking the beds the capsule beds i don't know what hang on rat, hang on hang on hang on hang on i've just googled it rat fuck is a military term and refers to rooting through an assortment of items and only taking what you need oh so he's stealing from the customers perhaps uh i'm also not super familiar with this term but my just initial impression overall is um how ridiculously overwrought the diction is here. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and call BS and say, um, Brian, it's clear that you do not work at a hotel in Nakasu. You are an Akaiwa teacher. <laughs> Should we go to the news? Let's check out the news. Bobby Judo, yep. there's a lot going on in, in these troubled times. But what is the most important story this week? The most important story of the week is that uh, some Japanese banks, including MUFG Bank Limited, has uh, started offering a thousand yen incentive to its customers who will give up their paper passbooks and make the switch to online banking. Thoughts? Well, oh my goodness. So I opened up a bank account in Japan for the first time in 2014. The only bank that I could set up was a Japan Post Bank mm -hmm. because apparently they were the only ones that were friendly with the research visa that I had. Absolutely ridiculous that there was only one particular branch that I was allowed to go to, right? There was like a branch that was set up with someone that dealt dealt with new account openings for, and I asked them for a debit card. I was like, can I have, like, is there any way I can get oh, my money yeah, out no. of no, cash no, point? No, no. And, they were, and they were like, they were like oh, boy, 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 oh, boy, oh, boy. Do you have a lot to learn? You know, there was me turning up going, I'm looking for a way to deposit my Bitcoin and maybe do some. And they were like, listen, sir, if you haven't got your Hanko, you're not coming in. And so I, I had, uh, I, I got given a bank book and then, and it was almost as if I was causing them trouble. They said, do you really, really need a, a cash point card? I said, yeah. And so then I had to pay extra money to get a plastic bit of card, yeah. which functionally looks like a debit card, right? But it isn't. It can only be used in cash points to withdraw money. Yeah, they, uh, they only give you ridiculous. an ATM card, which you can use to make withdrawals or deposits. Uh, debit cards Ooh, have only recently start started to gain kind of traction in japan and when i say recently i'm going to say like the last five or six years the average person probably still does not have or use a debit card uh to the point where like there are 
TV commercials advertising the idea of debit cards and what they are. But it's, isn't it funny how Japan was so ahead of the curve with NFC in that the the Suica cards or the Nimoka or um, Nanoka or you know that there's that there was about about a dozen of them. Yeah, the cashless the cashless cards that you can scan to to get on uh, transit, and you can also use those to to purchase things in like convenience stores and restaurants. Yeah vending machines, that kind of thing. And then they unified the system. So rather than having 12 different systems, you could use the same card for all the different systems. But unfortunately, it was just a completely different technology that, say, um, Apple used for the NFC for their iPhone. So like most of the iPhones until the last two generations couldn't be used with Japan uh, transit systems. But my goodness, the the bank system. So I would get, I, I, ha I had this this book, right? Yeah. And each book, would, you would put it into the ATM and you'd have to put it in on the correct page. Uh, a page which had some space left at the end. Well, this is the paper passbooks that, that they're talking about, right? Yeah, right. And so this is the thing which they're trying to get rid of. And frankly, good riddance. Um, the, I, I was allowed to customize it, one of four designs. Mm -hmm. they, they, mm -hmm. they, they brought me out a tray and they said, which design would you like? I said, I'll take the black one, please, because uh, that that's, suits my personality. And uh, they said, how much money would you like in the account? Uh, and, I, and I gave them all my money, which is about $100, because that suits my financial situation at the time. Yep. And they... Uh, they charged they charge money to withdraw money. They charge money to send money. And basically, like like the, the easiest way to to spend money in Japan is by like just send, sending money. I think it was something like two hundred yen to send money. Uh, but if it was after a certain time, it was like an extra hundred yen. It was like you were paying the ATM. It's, yeah. over, it's overtime hours. To use we should specify it. They don't charge you to withdraw money on. Always, it's they charge you money to withdraw money if you're using an ATM that is not one of their ATMs, or if it's not within business hours for the ATM, which is another huge thing that foreigners always criticize about Japan. Like, why should an ATM have business hours? Um, <laughs> just at, at five o'clock, you just imagine an ATM just ripping off a tie, yeah, cracking open a strong zero, and going, "Wow, what a day!" Yeah. Oh man! But so this is this is very much an analog technology that that Japan is way behind on getting rid of. And uh, depending on the bank that you sign up with, some of them will allow you to open a bank account and get your this paper passbook with your handwritten signature in it. But some of them still will not. They will require, and this is this is an issue that's gonna. Uh, become a problem when they're trying to get people to switch to online banking. They will require an Incon or uh, what's also called a Hanko. Uh, do you want to explain what that is? I th well, I think an Incan is different to a Hanko, right? An Incan is a stamp and a Hanko is a seal, right? That, that's the way I understand it. The Incan is, the, is generally the smaller one. And I had to get one of these. What's the difference between a stamp and a seal? Uh, a stamp is for an individual, a seal is for an organization. Is what I thought. I've always used the terms interchangeably. I've always used them interchangeably. And I know that there is uh, a more casual personal one, and then there's a more official one that that. So, like the personal one, uh, you can use for things like opening your bank accounts. You can use for um, signing contracts and things like that. Um, and then there's a more official one, but it's also still personal. But you would use it for a, a much more a uh, weighty contract right. like buying a house or something like that. But I, I would assume that a stamp uses ink and a seal uses wax. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, frankly, I mean, you know, d debating this is, is like us having a conversation about 
the, the best wool to use in a in a in a loom. Yeah, uh, like it, it's it's pointless. But what's interesting is you can buy these. These are supposed to be a proxy for your signature, right? right? But most like there's I don't know about a hundred Japanese names which eighty percent of the population have, and so now you can just go to a Seven Eleven or a convenience store or a hundred yen shop and buy your your hanko with your name on. Okay, this is how daft it was, right? Let me explain. So I um was setting up an Airbnb with a friend whose surname is uh, Watanabe, right? Mm-hmm. She uses different kanji to the normal kanji for Watanabe. She has, like, ones which are less common. I, sh- She lives in Tokyo. I lived in Fukuoka. She stamped something with her old, with her actual Watanabe seal. Something else had to be signed. The agent said, can she, can she sign it? I said, no, she's back in Tokyo. He said, can you send the stamp? I said, no. He said, here's what we're going to do. I will get rid of this first document. You go and buy a Watanabe stamp. We'll re-sign that first document with that stamp, and then as long as the second stamp matches, we're good. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Just wait a minute. Yeah. What you're what you're, te- what you're telling me is, as long as I have a stamp that says Watanabe, I can sign as her agent. He was like, no, 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 you're not her agent. You are her. Yeah, uh, yeah. Absolutely ludicrous. That's the major the major criticism from foreigners about these incons is that they're so much more forgeable than I mean, there you can you can replicate them. So much easier than a signature. It's an example of security theater, right? Because for the same property, I had to get the water connected. I had a phone call from the water company, uh, which said, we'd like to connect your water. Can you tell us, can you confirm the address and the name? And I said, yes, it's her name, Watanabe. This is the address. And they said, am I speaking to the to the person in question? Right. And I said, no, I'm, uh, I, I work with her. And they said, ah, sorry, we need to speak to the, to the Honnin. We need to speak to the person in question. I said, okay, well, she's yeah. not here, so uh, could, you, could you call back in five minutes and I'll make sure she's here? Uh, and they said, yeah, no problem. They called back. Now, obviously, she was not there, right? She was in Tokyo. So I just got one of my female friends to say, someone's going to pick up the phone. You've just yeah. got to sound like a Japanese woman that might sound like Watanabe. Just say, hi, 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 kakuni itashimasu. That's all you need to say, right? Just say, yeah. hi, 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 hi. And then that's exactly what happened. And they call up. Oh, I was speaking to Watanabe. Yes, I am. And so then uh, you get to this weird situation where you're just saying, hey, if, do I just need to sound plausible uh, in order to pass your stupid tests? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah good, riddance, good riddance to this dumb system. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, I think there's an element of performing security, like you said. There's also an element of being able to pass the buck, where like now if something happens, it's not their fault because they have plausible deniability. They talk to somebody and it doesn't really matter whether or not she was, it matters that you guys are the ones who said that she was. So like, I'm sure I've told you before, but do you remember um, I got, I do this as like a Japanese comedy bit sometimes where I was sending some money home through a remit service and I hadn't used it in a long time. And they called me up on the phone and they said, you sent a larger amount than you usually do. And we have to confirm a few things. And I said, yeah, sure. And they said, "Uh, so this amount of money that you've sent, uh, will this be going to support terrorism in Iran or North Korea? And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I, I think when I did it in Japanese, uh, I joke about how like I was so shocked by the fact that they would ask this question on the phone. Like anybody in their right mind would be like, oh, yes. Uh, yeah, actually it is. <laughs> I bought, that, I bought of it. Yeah. So that my joke was that when they asked me, I should have, what I should have said was no, but I kind of like freaked out and panicked. And what actually came out of my mouth was, eh, Domino, which is like, oh, is that not cool? 
I think I think what should actually cause a red flag is for you to go. You're going to have to define terrorism. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to have to define your terms. One man's freedom fighter. I mean, hey, hey, <laughs> exactly. It's all relative. Uh, so one thing that I find funny about this particular story is that. Um, the Asahi Shimbun, they went through and they did like a three-part series on uh, the Hanko industry's current strategy to kind of preserve their their cultural hold uh, on. That's just, that's so ridiculous. That, I mean, that that's like saying uh, we've gone to an abattoir to talk about to talk to some cows about their strategy for survival. Yeah, <laughs> they have this uh, this association that um, is. is you know, the Hanko craftsmen are like losing so much business and it's a dying, they're dying out without replacements. The business has shrunk to about one fifth the size it was 40 years ago, according to this article. Uh, and so they're looking for things that they can do to, to save the industry. And so one of the association's executives proposed that Hanko be recognized as a world cultural asset. Uh, like, I don't know if they mean like a UNESCO property or like the Japan has all these things that they'll say nationally designated Bunkazai, Juyo Bunkazai, um, an important cultural yeah. property. And it, the article, it says, an idea that went nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I love is one of, one of the uh, strategies they come up with is they've gone, right, so uh, having to stamp a document with a physical stamp that dips into ink and is stamped each and every time is clumbersome, pointless, and serves no purpose and absolutely needs to be abolished. But instead of instead of going that far with the logic, they didn't get quite far enough and said, "Let's automate it." And so, and so the, the, this association <laughs> has invested invested money in a robot which grabs the stamp and stamps documents for you. Which is basically, when you think about it, what they've done is they've taken a photocopier which can take any image and print it any number of times and scaled that photocopier down to being able to print only one thing it's like in their big reveal they've gone ta-da we've taken a photocopier and removed 95 percent of the useful features so uh they lobby the government right and so they've got a handful of government advocates that they've recruited to their cause um and it says uh, so since digitalization is inevitable, the only recourse for Hanko advocates is compromise. And in this, their best ally is, or sorry, their best ally, that's not even a spinnerism, that's just a fuck up. Their best ally is 79-year-old information technology minister, Nao Kazu Takemoto. He's the head of the group of oh, politicians. This guy. this guy, this guy, you remember him? <laughs> Yeah, he's the guy who uh, was appointed to the, to the IT ministry and admitted that he never used a computer. Yeah, yeah, he does. He did not know what a USB device was. The guy asked about like, how are you gonna uh, handle security if anybody puts in a USB device that might be infected with some sort of virus or malicious technology? And uh, he had no idea what a USB device was. And they asked him about has he ever used one, and he admitted that he doesn't use his. He, he's never used his computer. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the article the article is so tactful in the way they call it out but uh it says however as it minister this avowed lack of expertise has attracted ridicule takemoto's position as the de facto point man for the hanko association's attack may actually be working against their interests since it emphasizes yeah. how out of touch hanko culture is 
Well, one good thing about his appointment is since his appointment, my fax machine shares have skyrocketed. <laughs>